welcome to Two Guys in the Bible, a weekly conversation on theology, culture, and God's Word. My name is Eric Leupold, and with me, as always, is my good friend Dylan Keniston. Good morning, Dylan. How are good you? Good morning, Eric. I'm doing well, brother. How are you? I'm doing all, doing okay. It's a it's a kind of rainy, nasty day. Dreary today. Not as cold as it could be. True. I'm they, glad for that. This I'm is the day that. the Lord has made. I know, but, but. It's, it's been raining a lot this year. It has, actually. We've gotten more rain. Yes. We've gotten more rain than is usual, I think. Yeah. I feel like we didn't have too much of a fall, right? I, I don't know. It was like, it was really rainy, yeah. and then all of a sudden, boom, it hit. We just got tons of snow. Then it yep. all melted. Yep. And we kind of going back to like rolling the clock back a little bit. I don't know. It's been funky weather. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I haven't, I can't back this up, but I heard that maybe that there was a statistic or I heard someone say that maybe there was 40% more rain this year than on average. Yeah, it's been wild. Uh, yeah, so your yard's a big mud pit. But anyways, <laughs> uh, neither here nor there. i talk about the weather. Uh, but uh, maybe we can do an episode on climate change. Hey, That'd be there fun, we go. right? There we go. That'll that's be a, a big one. one. Yeah. There's a big one. But today, that's not our topic. For those of you listening, I'm, I'm sure you're disappointed. You would love to talk about climate change. But today, <laughs> we're talking about the church. And in fact, this is a mailbag episode. So much worthier topic. <laughs> yeah, so much worthier topic. That's right. That's right. So uh, a few weeks ago, I was asked a question uh, by uh, a good friend. Uh, uh, Chuck, if you're, if you're listening, uh, thank you for your question, by the way. And I hope that this helps answer it. But he asked... Is there just one church or are there many churches? And I think to give a little bit of the context as to why he asked that question, uh, uh, Chuck has a good friend who's, who's Eastern, Russian Orthodox, and uh, they kind of go back and forth in their discussions with each other regarding, well, you know, you have scripture, but I, I adhere to the church, and there's only one church, there's one unified church, uh, we're all united as the Russian Orthodox uh, uh, Church, and you Protestants are are divided into thousands of denominations or or whatever the case may be. Um, and so the question, I guess, arose in their conversation as to how many churches are there? Is there really just one church, or are there many? If there's just one, which one is the right one? And if there are many, then where is the unity, right? So... That's our question for today, yeah. and I want to throw it out there to you, Dylan. Like, how would you go about first unpacking that question, dissecting it, so that we yeah. can analyze it? Um, by the way, when I was th that comment about about climate yeah. change being a worthier topic, of, of course, the, the Earth is important. We care about the Earth. We want to be good stewards of the Earth. I was just yeah. from an eternal perspective. Yeah. You should have given a trigger warning. Yeah, the trigger, trigger warning. warning. Yeah. yeah, the Church lasts throughout eternity. Um, yeah. That's yeah. We're gonna get some new heavens and new earth. Doesn't mean that this Earth is unimportant. It's very important. Okay. Yeah. Now that that's closed. Now that out he the door, covered himself. Now that I'm covered. <laughs> <laughs> Covering my butt. Yeah. Uh, okay. So so let's come back to this question about like churches. So one church, many churches. You know what this question actually reminds me of a little bit because I. I I've heard this question before. It kind of reminds me of the question about the Trinity. Really? Right. So just just in this one in many sense. Right. So okay. we like God is triune. There's one God. The Bible says it over and over again. But the Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Um, so we have unity and diversity. Right. And that theme is all over the place in Scripture with respect to how we talk about God as one God. Yes. Right. One God. Many persons. Um, so when we're talking about unity and diversity with respect to the church, it's, you get a similar yes. Right. Like, yes, there we are one universal, you know, Catholic lowercase c mm -hmm. church. But we have many local churches, many members of one body, as Paul puts it. Mm. Um, 
so that that's kind of one one way that we could kind of think about church. I mean, and we could mean in either sense. When people use the word church, they could mean, okay, we're talking about the universal church, um, in which case there is one. We could also talk about local churches, just a local body of believers. Not a building, who, right? Not a building, not yeah. A building. It's, it's just local body of believers who meet together, worship <clears throat> together, pray together. And of those, there are many. Um, so w- one of the things that's that's interesting, I remember I did this for—this is just a, a little, you know, uh, some metric that I took. This was a couple of years mm-hmm. back, uh, and I was just pulling up m- some results from that. But I, I did a survey of all the wor- all the uses of the word church— um, in the New Testament, yeah, and I, I could be off if somebody wants to check me on this. I think it appears 105 times. Okay, all right, and the uses of church where it either unambiguously or at or or really looks like it could sug- refer to the church universal, the one church, is like 10 percent of those, like okay. maybe 10 of those. Whereas like 95 of those other uses refer to local churches. You're talking like, you know, rough or like 10% universal church, 90% local church. Mm-hmm. Um, so when when this friend would ask like, you know, is it one or is it many? I think even scripture itself is going to say yes, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's, we can talk about the church universal in one sense. We could also talk about multiple local churches. I mean, think about all of Paul's letters, right? These are to written the to like different geographic local churches, locations, different right? geographic locations. Yeah. yeah. The church at Ephesus or the church at Corinth. Yes. The church at Rome. Um, one passage that uh, seems like he uses the the word church in a universal sense, and there's several of them. I'm thinking of uh, Matthew 16, 18, yes. where after after Peter's confession, uh, Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church. Okay, so that's one. But then Ephesians 1 talks about how Jesus was raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places. And in verse 22 of chapter 1, he says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. Singular, yep. which is his church body, universal, yeah. the church, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So I think that that makes sense. And um, uh, and my friend Chuck had mentioned Revelation, which talks about the seven churches that are in Asia. Mm-hmm. Right. The seven lampstands. And we see that in the in the book of Revelation, the first few chapters are our letters. Um, so, you know, and, and it, interestingly, of course, uh, that doesn't mean that there were only seven churches in Asia, of like course, seven local yeah. churches, because uh, in fact, I did I did a little bit of research. Uh, Colossae is mm. in Asia Minor, is in Asia, mm. and was not mentioned. Right, and uh, he wrote, Paul wrote letter to the Colossians. Sure. So there's a church at Colossae. It's kind of a probably an important church, but obviously it was not included yeah. in the letters that John wrote to the churches there. So um, it's it's pretty clear that the Bible uses the term in both ways. But so now the question is. Um, if, if the same word can be used in different senses, what, I mean, let's put some meat on it, like practical application. So like, what are we talking about when you say church universal, who specifically are you referring to Dylan? Or should I say, what's the Bible referring to with regards to the church? Yeah. So, so, so church is, is a word that really is, um, it has a, it has its roots in, as a, you have a prefix. Um, the Greek word is ekklesia, 
right? Yeah. So yeah. ek yeah. is a prefix in Greek. Yeah. It means out. Out. And klesia is to call. Called out ones. Right, exactly. Right. So a church is literally just though you hear this in Spanish, iglesia, right? You gotta get a little bit closer mm. to the actual That's interesting. to the actual ecclesia. Um but but the church is comprised of those who are called out. And local churches belong to Christ who have as their head, Christ is the head mm-hmm. of the church, and then we are his. Uh, we are the body of of Christ. So, at a local level, right? So that's kind of like the universal, big picture level. Think of like think of a house, right? If I'm going to change the, the, who wants to change the biblical metaphor? Body is entirely sufficient. You could just think of a house, right? We've got a whole bunch of rooms in the house. You got one house, right? Mm-hmm. But many many mm-hmm. rooms. So same kind of idea. You have one body, mm-hmm. right? But then within that, you have different. Um, different members of that and body. And that house has one foundation. And the house has one foundation. The cornerstone of the which cornerstone is Christ. The cornerstone who is Christ, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so I guess we're... we're, it's, we're in, it's a fair analogy. We're in biblical territory it, it, for yeah, the analogy, it, so it, that makes it, me feel better. It was, <laughs> that's right, it's used I didn't in that scripture. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. good. Yeah. And I, and I don't think, like, for whatever it's worth, I don't think that this is something that is... Um, that this concept of one and many in terms of how we think about the people of God. Like, so for example, in, in the Old Testament, it is real, right? One nation. Um, and then, you know, Deuteronomy 7. Then you also have um, kind of the, the the locus of the people of God kind of fo- focused on the temple, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you have kind of this this national community around kind of, you know, spoken of in terms of, of one centralized a unit, mm-hmm. uh, but then you also do see like different. Um, I think local congregations. So, for example, different meeting places. Um, well, they had elders. They had elders, right? Yeah. And then they also had uh, different places where where communities would gather to mm-hmm. worship. Um, so, you know, we could pull up some relevant passages, but um, no, I, yeah. I think that helps answer the question. Um, but one thing I wanted to get to, I don't know if folks of you, you who are listening have heard these terms used before, but I know in at least maybe, you know, theology circles, those kinds, seminary circles, the phrase is invisible church, invisible church. Hmm. So where do those terms, invisible and visible, play into the universal church and the local church? How do those terms play into that? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I'm going to, I could be totally butchering <laughs> this. Uh, so I'm dusting off some cobwebs on this one. But oh, okay. my understanding is, so <laughs> when we're talking about the invisible church, right, we're talking about those when we use the church the word church in that way we're talking about those who are um that saved. cloud of witnesses uh-huh. of people who are saved yes and that could be um those who are with us today those who have since passed and, uh, yeah they died right? yeah. yeah exactly so who have fallen asleep in Christ as it were right so you have the invisible uh, church mm-hmm. being those who are saved and the visible church being the the actual gathering of those people. Yeah. Now it, we want to be careful a little bit here because once once we start talking about how the visible and invisible church play into church membership and how that manifests itself yeah. in the local church, yeah. I think we could all agree. There, like, there's some. There are earnest believers who love the Lord who kind of have different ways of dicing that one. I mean, up. there are there are uh, there are believers who aren't part of a of yeah. a local body. Maybe they're maybe they're in the midst of changing or maybe they were they were hurt by the exactly by the church and i have several family members um who who would would certainly claim the name of christ um and embrace the gospel but 
but have since uh, uh, not really partaken of of a local body of believers. Right. Um, so, but generally, yeah. when we're talking about like the visible church, we're yeah. talking about those who have identified with Christ and are understood in the context of that community to say, "Yep, yes, we walk with this person through life. We see their life. We see the fruit in their life. We we agree that that this person truly, ha- you know, they have repented. You can never know that exhaustively, right? The Lord knows that. So it could be you could be wrong. You could be wrong. You could think there's somebody who is a, a member of a, of a visible church who is not really actually a member of the invisible church. They fall away. They were actually they're never, not really they're not really of us, right? First John, right? If they they went out because they were not of us. If they had been of us, they wouldn't have gone out, right? So, yeah, like, 219. Yeah, exactly. 219, yeah. So, that's that happens. Mm-hmm. So, there, it's not an exhaustive one to one until the Lord comes back, right? When the Lord returns, then we will have this, uh, this, mm-hmm. this, that line gone, right? Yeah. We will be one church so, known. It's almost like, loved. I don't know, uh, not a Venn diagram, but two overlapping circles, right? Because yeah. so you have the invisible church. We can call them the elect. We can call them those who are truly believers, right? Yes. They're truly united with Christ. And then you have another circle, which is those who visibly and publicly proclaim the name of Christ and and go to, quote unquote, church, yes. right? And, I, you know, you know, sometimes those circles overlap a lot. And sometimes they barely touch. So, for instance, uh, in some areas, perhaps you might have a lot of people who claim to be Christians, and they're they're organized in a what they would call a church, but they have since long ago uh, denied many of the aspects of of the faith. Yeah. Let's say, um, but they'll still call themselves Christians, right? Mm-hmm. So there you have, uh, um, you know, is the gospel really there? Uh, is that really a true church anymore, or is it a is it a church that has fallen away, a church that has that has separated itself from from Christ? And then, of course, you might have uh, a large number of of believers that are just not not joining um, with the corporate worship of God and, and joining in a body of local believers, which is not okay. It's not okay, right? Yeah, but it happens. But it happens. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, I like, I, I really like. Um, so, Mark Dever gives a mm-hmm. really fantastic. Uh, definition of church. I'll just read. It says, the church is an assembly of those people who have been called out from the world by God's grace and called, you hear that called language again, called called together to serve him by glorifying him in a local body of baptized believers who are associated by covenant in faith and fellowship in the gospel. That's um, a mouthful. That's a mouthful, but I I think he's he's really onto something there, right? So like, it's it's really if you think about just like what it why is it important generally for us to come together as a local body? And this is why I say like it's it's back up for a sec. The, there are some who identify as Christians who just say you know hey look. Um, it's just me and my Bible. It's just me and Jesus. Yeah. I don't need the church to be uh-huh. saved. Church is just ancillary. It's not really all that important. Um, salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. I don't need the church. Well, and there's some truth to that. But yes, it's a big but. It's a big it's but. A very big it's but. It's a big but. Yeah. So we're saved by grace alone through faith alone, right? But the grace that saves is never alone. Yeah. So there's no or uh, put it this way: this there's no ordinary means of salvation apart from the church 
I think I, I would be comfortable you saying sound that. sound a little Catholic. I, I, well, but I, I'm comfortable saying that, I, and I'm in good company, right? Here's John Calvin, quote by John Calvin. Those to whom God is a father, the church must also be a mother. And in right? that sense, so like, are they referring to the universal church, do you think? I mean, you think that he's referring to the universal church? No, I, no? I, I don't think so. I okay. do think he's referring to the local body. Um, and I, I could be wrong, so out there, I'm teachable on this. Yeah. Um, I, I think there are, there are key marks of a church— that are part and parcel of what it means to walk in obedience to Christ, that mm. we are doing these things on a regular basis. Yeah. So we're going where there is right preaching of the word. So three marks of a church. There's yeah. right preaching of the, wor- of the word. There is min- administration of the ordinances. That's baptism and the Lord's Supper. The proper administration of Proper them? administration of okay. the ordinances. And there's church discipline. Right? Discipline. Right. So when, when we talk about being involved in a local church it is so important to be involved in a local church this is god's idea god has always worked corporately you think about adam and eve you think about the you know israel in the old testament the the church in the new covenant um mm. he called abraham and abraham's family you and your offspring um work like god has always worked corporately in acts 9 right jesus says uh saul saul he's this is on the road to amaze right? yeah. saul, uh, road to um not amaze, not amaze no. no, no, it was a mace, I think. Uh, Acts nine. Sorry, no. I'm doing this by memory here. But uh, when he's when Saul, when the risen Lord Jesus, me? yeah, why do you persecute me, Saul? Saul, why do you persecute me? Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm looking this up just to make sure I'm not going crazy. I'm pretty sure, thing but um, but in any case, the point here is that Jesus is saying he, Jesus so identifies with the church that 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 Saul is going to persecute. Uh, that he is saying, not why are you persecuting those Christians? Mm-hmm. Why are you persecuting that church? Um, but he says, why are you are you persecuting me? Um, so anyway, that's no, I I, I think that's important. Um, and I was just kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit there because I know that the let's say the Roman Catholic Church also makes the claim that no one is saved apart from the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. At least that was the, at least that's what they believed very firmly a long time ago maybe not so much anymore but but back in the day certainly in, in luther's time time of the reformation if you were not part of the roman catholic church you were going to hell the damascus road sorry i, said, I was like damascus, <laughs> sorry, we got it all damascus. wrong we got it we were both wrong Antioch, we uh, got, we got bible trivia fail of the day damascus. there we go we got it bible Fixed trivia it. fail of the day yeah that's right <laughs> um, so i guess that's the question though is that when you say you don't want to save the part from the church. Oh, I didn't say that. I oh. said there's no ordinary means of salvation apart from the church. In other words, you could have a, a situation where you do have somebody who's legitimately saved. I mean, there's all kinds of legitimate reasons why a person might not be a member of a local church. Yeah. You gave some, right? You're, you're in between locations or you're homebound or, you know, there's, there's, all, That's true. there's all kinds of instances. But, for, but in terms of a, a Christian who is... Who has publicly proclaimed uh, to be a follower of Christ, but who nevertheless says, you know, but this whole church business, I don't want anything to do with that. Well, yeah. at, at that point, the I'm fruit, not, that's like, uh, yeah, I'm not so sure that 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 like, how are we validating that testimony? Right. Yeah. Or, or like at, at that point, it is a question of, of obedience. Yeah. Because here's um, the thing. It's like Jesus used a lot of the, the bride bridegroom language. I mean, mm. and I'll just read Ephesians here because um, where we get a lot of the relationship between husband and wife um, really uh, that's a that's a typological of, of Christ in his church 
So I'll read Ephesians 5, 22 to, to the end of the chapter there. Um, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And so... Although we could talk a lot about husbands and wives in that context, the reason I mentioned this passage is to talk about the church in Christ. I mean, just think about this, how, how Jesus loved the church, his bride, and gave himself up for her. And then he sanctifies her, he cleanses her, he washes her with what? With the word. Yeah. Okay, so it's the word of the Lord, it's the word of God that washes and cleanses the church, and Christ uses that uh, to sanctify her and he and he and he's going to present the church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish and so christ nourishes and cherishes the church and so here's the thing that we want to consider if if jesus is the bridegroom he's the husband right and the church is his wife the bride we want to be very careful when we say things like i love jesus and i hate the church or i hate yeah, first John, like John would call that religion. person a liar. Yeah. If he says that he loves Christ but hates the brethren, that he is a liar. Yeah. That's I mean, that's strong, strong language. That's very strong language. Right? And you would not go up to a person. You don't go up and say, say that. I love you. You're my best friend. I love you, but I hate your wife. Yeah. I can't stand her. Yeah. Actually, when you come over next time, don't bring her. Yeah. That's like, not a thing. That'd be a horrible thing. And to say that is not to be that person's you know, friend yeah. or whatever, not to really love that person. So we cannot, however however much we've been hurt by people in the church or by leaders in the church or anything like that. Uh, Jesus has made strong language. Uh, the Apostle Paul has made strong language. John has made strong language uh, about uh, the importance of the church and Christ's love for her. So we kind of want to, uh, you know, follow that lead. Yeah. So in, in, in 1 Corinthians 1 uh, verse 2, I just, I just pulled it up here. Yeah. One of the reasons I love this verse is because we really see, it, it, we see both of these notions of uh, church, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2, to the church of God that is in Corinth. Mm -hmm. Okay, right off the bat, local church. It's mm -hmm. in Corinth, all right? To those sanctified in Christ Jesus. That is, the folks receiving the letter are to a particular group of people, mm -hmm. right? That is the church. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. So there's the universal church picture. The Christians in the local body are joined as a local body, but then also to this larger corporate identity of ones who call upon the name of Jesus. Mm. So I think we see uh, both uses in, in this passage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's very clear. That's a 
I didn't think of that passage until you until you mentioned it. So I appreciate you uh, bringing it up. And so, so there you go. We see we see that we see the use of both terms. Uh, well, the church used in in, in, in a universal sense and local sense, um, and kind of how they relate to each other, how they overlap. And and one thing I, I'll mention is is the importance you mentioned earlier is the marks of the church. Uh, one of them being discipline, right? And so. I mentioned before those two overlapping circles where you'll have uh, maybe maybe you'll have a lot of unbelievers in the church. They're just pretending, yeah. maybe because it's the cool thing to do, or maybe because they just like they just like you know having that you know that group of people to hang around with, you know. But um, persecution uh, tends to I wouldn't say weed out those who are not really believers but it, it does that i mean sure when persecution comes those who are truly uh, faithful will remain but the same way so does discipline right if there's no discipline at all going on you know well i mean you have you have people in the church that are engaged in horrible uh sin and nothing is done about it yeah well then you're going to you're going to set the stage for an increasing um, discrepancy between uh, the saints who are called and who are sanctified in Christ and those who are gathered yeah. for, for worship. You're going to have a big disparity there. So so the local church gathered yeah. is saying something to the watching world mm -hmm. about the gospel, mm -hmm. right? Here is a whole bunch of people from disparate, you know, backgrounds, different, different who circumstances. Who name the name of Christ. Who name the name of Christ and find unity in the name of Christ. When that is is tarnished in that gathering, it compromises that witness. Yeah. So in in First Corinthians five, there's a whole lot of like silliness going on in that church, a whole lot of sin. Paul says, like, ought you not rather more like let him who has done this be removed from among you? Yeah. Right. He he's kind of surprised that you know dude's still still hanging out there. And yeah. He's, he's and in fact, in he says sexual immorality. He's not even tolerated among the pagans. Like, like yeah. Like yeah. what they're doing in the church in Corinth. Even the Roman pagans wouldn't do stuff like that. Right, right. And, and yet they are boasting. And, and, their... and similarly, right, yeah. Jesus himself in, in Matthew 18, he's like, look, if, you, if your brother or sister is in sin, you know, this is what you do. You know, you don't just go and run and tell it to the elders first, yeah. right? But eventually there there is recourse. A progression. Uh, there is a progression to say, look, tell it to the church. If this person refuses to listen even in the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. It, it is it is so – like w w this is not an episode about church discipline full no, stop. No, but, but, but it does make the point that like when we talk about the marks of the church, one of the marks of the church is practicing uh, a discipline to make sure that it preserves the integrity mm -hmm. of the witness of that community to the gospel and mm -hmm. to what, what we hold to be true as, as those who profess the name of Christ. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we can talk – some of the time about about maybe you know the marks of the, the church, the marks of the church, yeah. false churches, churches that used to be churches but are not anymore. Um, we can talk about you know the language of Revelation where Jesus talks about removing the lampstand yeah. uh, from from places that that have not uh, followed him. But uh, I I kind of want to mention this question again in context of of my friend Chuck and and his discussion with the Russian Orthodox. So. All right, so we've talked about local churches. It's more geographic than anything else, but where's the unity then? Hmm. So, so you know, the Russian Orthodox, Roman Catholics, uh, they can claim unity. You know, they got—they're all the same. 
They're all unified, or at least that's what they claim. And us Protestants, we have various churches everywhere, right? Different names, um, and uh, there's no there's no seemingly central organization unless you refer to like the Southern Baptist Convention or uh, the not the, the denomination like the PCA. Mm. So, so Dylan, I mean, how would you address that topic of you know the accusation that we have so many different churches? And there's no unity. We're all, we're all divided. Well, I'd say there, there, there is unity for those who are like in. in so the local church is as long as it's properly defined, mm-hmm. right? And we can. We talked about. You know, I gave a definition earlier of the local church. It's practicing the marks of the church as outlined mm-hmm. in Scripture. Mm-hmm. There is unity, right? There's doctrinal unity. So while we may have uh, some some differences, you know, let's say with, um, you know, I'm. I'm I'm a Reformed Baptist, so I, you know you and I are. We're, we're not ourselves uh, Presbyterians, um, so we have some differences on how some of these matters work out with some Presbyterian brothers and sisters mm-hmm. in Christ. But they are brothers and sisters in Christ. Like these are God honoring, you know, Bible believing, uh, Bible believing brothers and sisters. Like I look at this person, be like, "Yo, you are my brother." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there is. So we we might have some differences, right? But mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, this person is is a member of the family. So what we're really talking about is is doctrinal unity. And that mm. that's there, right? So I, you know, when we're some of the peripheral differences, I don't really see those as all that different than what goes on mm-hmm. in, like, let's say, a Roman Catholic. So heritage. the unity is less vis- visual, less visible in a way, because you said it's it's doctrinal, so it's it's kind of like what we believe the same thing, sure, and and, and and such an overlap that there's unity there, yes. even though we we might dress differently, go to different buildings, the buildings look different, mm-hmm. the songs we sing are slightly different. Um, so, whereas if you go to a Roman Catholic church, I mean, allegedly they are all the same everywhere you go. Right, but they also have this issue, like with so not to make this an episode about Roman. Catholicism, no, I'm, I'm like, just using with, example with like or Russian like, Orthodox, like Trent, for example, right? Like that's the Council of Trent, like that's still in place. So as long as that's in place, there's still some kind of an issue with what the gospel even is. No, I know, right? You, you know what I mean? So like that's where I think there there is at the end of the day when we're talking about a local church, there have to be these, at least these three things, right? Mm-hmm. Right preaching of the word. Okay. So when we're talking about right preaching of the word, the gospel is preached. Mm-hmm. We're in, we're in doctrinal unity. We have orthodoxy, administration of the ordinances. We have orthopraxy, right? There is, there is baptism practiced. There is the Lord's supper practiced. And these are to distinguish those who are part of the body from those who are not part of the body. Mm-hmm. And then church discipline is exercised as well. Um, yeah. So when people claim to be Christians, but they're not acting like it, they're not living like it, um, they're out of orthodoxy or they're out of orthopraxy, yeah. uh, then there needs to be some kind of discipline for that. And when you mentioned the, the, that kind of unity, it's it seems like there's a two different categories, right? There's man-made unity and there's God-made unity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a man-made unity would be, it's, it, it, you know, just... Think of any kind of man-made organization where we all dress like this, we all talk like this, we all uh, act like this. I mean, there's man-made unity everywhere. There's Babel. Unity. I mean, it's Babel, right? Yeah, it's Babel, I mean, the right? power of Babel, you could even just think of any kind of uh, dictatorship nation, Nazi Germany, the Soviet Union, where everyone is called comrade and we all wear the same <laughs> The same thing. So there's that's there's that's good a, unity and there's bad yeah, unity. There's a form of unity that's man-made. And the thing is that I think for the church, the unity that we should be focused on and that really matters is a unity in the spirit. 
Mm. It's a God-made unity. Um, in fact, I'm always brought to uh, Jesus's uh, high priestly prayer in John 17, where uh, he he talks about he wants uh, his disciples to be one as he and the Father are one. Uh, and he says, you know, things like, uh, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And so that unity, and that's from verse 17, there and that unity that Jesus wants his followers to have is a unity that is brought about by the word by by truth mm. by by the word of god by the spirit of christ is what forms that unity and so it might be you know should i say uh, less immediately visible to the human eye to the to man's perspective but it's actually a genuine uh, God-given unity versus some artificial uh, man-made unity there. And it's unity, so, so like in my mind, it's it really, ha- it has to be unity around the gospel. Yeah, there's right? something that you unite around, right? It, exactly, like, so, and, and then the role of the local church, I, I think, is is to either verify, so we have claims, right? I, I claim that I believe the gospel and that I, I associate myself publicly yeah. with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. And I follow him. Now, the local church will will verify that claim or will falsify that claim. Yeah, that's true. Right. So yeah. so that's so when we're talking about unity, we're talking about unity in the gospel such that those who are members of a local body have these claims verified about them. Um, and, and, you know, that's that in my mind is is really what's what's clutch about mm-hmm. you know how the marks manifest themselves mm-hmm. and and it's just like doing life together generally i mean we i know we've we've talked about this before but it's like it, it you know it's so easy just to be like oh yeah of course i love people well but <laughs> like yeah because that's this it's important like love one another all the one another's in, in the new testament right like yeah i love people well but when you start getting specific right like yeah do you love this person over there who just like or this group over there you know it's just it's it's harder once you start getting specific it's like do you love this particular group of people with whom you meet weekly on sundays mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and then now within that this person who is you know uh homebound or they're they're sick and they're on you know what i mean they're yeah. going through tr- a lot of trials or this other person just annoys you <laughs> like or they just annoy you no like, one's they, like that they're, no. they're singing no. way off tune or no. or like they're constantly like trying to come over to your house and they're eating all your food like I, i'm just making stuff Dylan, up. you have been showing up a lot of my yeah, exactly. <laughs> i think you, we need to talk about that actually. yeah but like this is where the rubber meets the road right that's what the lo- that's what the local church is is doing is it's 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 it is manifesting from like w- w- inside of us what really is like when the when the chips are down mm-hmm. what do you really mean when you say you love people like are you really getting your hands dirty in the in the messiness of people's lives mm-hmm. and are you walking in obedience to Christ while you're doing that yeah. right that's harder than just be like oh of course i love of course yeah. i love i love everybody because that doesn't mean anything no, right? I, until you manifest itself ooh, like, sorry i'm preach I, it preach it might, Dylan. yeah i'm getting a little hype but i'm sorry if that's if that's too much but like really like what does it mean to just say oh yeah i love people but then like yeah. when, when the chips are down we got to get involved in their lives and people are going through hard times and these people just like if like i said if somebody annoys you or you don't like the music that was chosen on a sunday mm-hmm. well church yeah. is not about you 
It's not about what you like. <laughs> it's not. It's, I'm sorry. I'm, get, I'm no, getting good. on the this on truth the, in the that here. But you know yeah. what I mean. It's like it, it, if we are looking. Like, okay, we're going and shopping around for a local church that's comfortable for me. No, like, that would be inappropriate. Yeah, like that's that's that not good. where it's at, right? It's 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 a local body of believers who are coming together to worship the risen Lord. Yeah. And as long as these marks are there, the gospel is preached. Yeah. And then you know. Hey, praise God. It's more about Christ than it is about ourselves and our own particular needs. It is certainly not about our preferences. Our preferences. It is not yeah. about our preferences. And as soon as we make it about our preferences, it's that's where that's where things get really hard, mm-hmm. right? Um, so anyway, that's all of the one anothering and all of the love one another that we hear in the New Testament, it's manifesting itself locally in the local body. Yeah, I think um, we mentioned it before, but you bring up a good point that I just want to briefly touch on is that that love is not just a, an emotive affection, right? Like like biblical love. Biblical love is action, right? right? If you if you love me, you'll keep my commandments is what Jesus tells his disciples and to to love your neighbor as yourself to love god is not just to have warm feelings yeah. about your neighbor or warm feelings about god and affection but it's actually to it it, it shows itself in doing something yeah. like you actually obey mm-hmm. the lord's commandments you actually like you said get involved in the dirty yeah. lives of your neighbors and i'm and yeah. for whatever source i am preaching to myself because it's hard for me oh yeah it's hard like honestly like i i come home on like you know a sunday afternoon and i'm just like tired from the week and i don't really want to like hang you know hang out with people but like i i need that encouragement myself to Mm -hmm. like you know get involved in other people's lives and to have other people involved in in you know emily and and i and my life too Mm -hmm. because we need that even if you know Sometimes we don't always want it. You know what yeah, I mean? It's, it's it's important to have it. Yeah. Well, this has been a, a good conversation, and uh, I think it's hopefully helpful. And Chuck, if you're listening, I hope that uh, that this helped answer some of your questions regarding uh, one in many churches. Please uh, send us any follow-up questions if if you have uh, when you have more discussions with your with your Russian Orthodox friend. Uh, but in our last few minutes, I do want to transition to our proverb of the day proverb of the day which now dylan's in the hot seat and i haven't forgotten the fact (laughs) that last week he hit me with seven verses (laughs) so mean out of love brother out of love there's a love that's a tough love that's what we call tough love no but no Uh, no, i'm not gonna get revenge today i'm not gonna get revenge i'm kidding when i least expect it yeah (laughs) pop out with a 20 verse that's right 20 verse (laughs) 20 verse proverb of the day Uh, today's proverb is 31 the proverb 31 wife no i'm kidding i'm kidding (laughs) okay don't respond to the entire proverb 31 no uh this one uh, it, you know, we, we've been kind of talking a little bit about discipline, and, and I want to maybe we can talk about that in a different episode later on. But uh, uh, so I want to uh, let's see, take you to uh, let's see, it's going to be Proverbs fifteen ten, fifteen ten. So again, this one touches on discipline a little bit. But uh, it's, it's certainly a much broader uh, term here. So I'll read it to you, 1510. There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. So it's, it's kind of a simple uh, one there. And if you want to expand the context there and look at some of the other ones around it, that's fine. But, uh, but there you go, Dylan. Uh, handle, handle that proverb if you dare. Hmm. There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Um, well, okay. So 
when, first of all, when we're talking about the way, I think in this context, we're talking about the way of wisdom mm-hmm. um, and, and versus, you know, the, the way of the wicked in the preceding verse, 15, 9, the way mm-hmm. of the wicked is mm-hmm. an abomination to the Lord. So there, there's, there's this notion of um, the, the way that, the way of wisdom, we don't, if there, if one is forsaking that, there is discipline for the one who is forsaking it. Um, and, and that tends to generally work itself out in, in life, right? So when we, mm. when we forsake, when we forsake wisdom, um, yeah, there's going to be circumstances in life generally that are going to, that are going to give us a swift boot here and there mm-hmm. to let us know like, Hey, this is not, this is not right. This is not good. Mm. Um, on the other hand, and, and, and similarly now to complement that, so we have whoever hates reproof will die. Um, this is saying, you know, I, I think, you know, I forgive me, I'm, you know, a relatively new, uh, father, right? So I think to myself, you know, when, when my daughter is going and, you know, getting into, she wants to go and crawl right by the stairs, (laughs) you know what I mean? And she, she hates reproof. She hates when I, you know, pick her up and say, no, no, we're not going to go crawl by these stairs, you know, but if she like grows up in that way and I don't, I don't. Uh, continuously like have a hand on on there to to mm. guide her and to discipline her she's gonna straight up you know she could walk out in the middle of the street one day and not look both ways and and die you know what i mean like yeah it, it could really lead to, is, yeah, lead it really death. could lead to that mm. um so at, at the end of the day um to love discipline is to love knowledge it's kind of the flip side of that mm. proverbs 12 verse 1 whoever mm-hmm. loves discipline loves knowledge he who hates reproof is and then the word that's used here in the ESV, stupid. Mm. Um, I mean, that's that's really strong language. Mm. And and then similarly, there's severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Um, Isaiah one five. Why will you be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. Mm. Um, so there is this discipline here for for those who forsake the way of wisdom. Again, it's a proverb. It's general wisdom for life um but Mm. we do not as christians now want to be those who forsake the way ultimately christ Mm. was himself the way he is wisdom personified he always was wise he never for he never forsook forsaked forsook (laughs) forsook yeah the 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 way of of his mission of his like uh, of obedience to his father of wisdom he never forsook the way right um, he, we did. So he took that severe discipline that we otherwise deserved. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's even, no. even here, I, I see pointers to the yeah, gospel and the my, way, the my, truth my, in the life. my own need for it. Yeah. No. <laughs> cause, cause I like, I'm this person, right? I read this and I'm like, there's severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. I'm like, man, how many times have I done that? Um, I, yes. Like how many times have I hated reproof? Like in my own life, who likes to be corrected? No one likes to, you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. who, who likes to be corrected or called out on stuff. So when somebody calls you out on something or corrects you on something, yeah. don't hate that. Right. Because that, yeah. that is the Lord doing something in your heart and in your life to embrace and, and praise God for it. Because really it's when the Lord takes that discipline away, when he kind of steps off and says, okay, have fine, at have at it. That's really when to get nervous. That's when the wheels come off, man. That's when the wheels come off. Mm-hmm. No, no, well said. And uh, that's something that we should all be thinking about. Certainly uh, myself uh, is included in that one there. And so uh, again, thank you guys for, for listening 
uh, to two guys in the Bible. Uh, please, uh, if you're if you're using iTunes, uh, you know, please please rate us. Uh, please, um, uh, you know, those rates really help us uh, get feedback uh, as well there. And you can send us other emails. Uh, for to answer your questions at two guys in the Bible podcast at gmail.com and that's just the number two in front of that we're on Facebook as well on Twitter uh, send us tweets at two guys in the Bible and you can check out our website two guys in the Bible uh, org so again we really appreciate you joining us uh, today on uh, on this discussion of the church and uh, we'll see you all again uh, next time see y'all God, God bless, bless.